Good morning. There's a, a legend that's told about uh, ancient Greece. One day there was this businessman, a prominent businessman, walking through ancient Greece, and he comes across uh, the, the great storyteller, Aesop. And he sees Aesop, and Aesop is just out playing with these little kids. He's playing games. He's running around. He's laughing. He's having a good time. And this man looks at Aesop, and he thinks to himself, man, this guy is a fool. Look at him making a complete fool of himself. And he starts mocking and jeering Aesop. And he laughs at him, and he says, what are you doing playing with these kids? There's work to be done. Like, you're an adult. Act like an adult. And Aesop walks over, and he, he picks up a bow. And he unstrings the bow and he sets it on the ground and he says, tell me what this riddle means. The man looks at it for a long, long time and he can't think of anything to say. He has no idea what, the, what Aesop is getting at here. And Aesop says, you know, this bow, if you leave it strong, eventually it'll break. But if you leave it unstrung, then when you need it most, it'll serve you best. And, you know, people are just like that. We are like a bow, like a bow and arrow, right? We need to be unstrung every once in a while. If we remain under the constant tension of that bow, eventually we're going to break. I heard somebody say once, uh, if, if, you don't take time, uh, if you don't take time apart to, to rest, then eventually you'll just come apart, right? And it's true. You know, if we're constantly under this tension, if we're constantly working, if we never stop to rest, eventually we just fall apart. If you don't take time to come apart and rest, then eventually you just fall apart. We see that so often. I mean, look at uh, all the medications and things that are out there for, uh, you know, stress and anxiety and raised blood pressure. And and some of these things are just caused by, by not taking proper time to rest. And so last week we began a series called Reclaiming R&R. Because as I said last week, I think we can go away for the weekend, even a long weekend, and we can come back Monday morning, and we are just as tired as when we left the office Friday afternoon. We're, sometimes we're even more tired. Sometimes you go away from vacation, you're like, man, I need a vacation from my vacation before I go back to work because I'm so worn out from, from my vacation. And I think it's, it's not necessarily because we're not resting, but maybe we're not resting the way God intends for us to rest. And so we're, we're looking at reclaiming R&R. And this week, last week was the Sabbath. This week we're going to look at vacation, these extended periods of rest that, that we have. And we said with the Sabbath, you know, God, God never intended it for, to, for it to be this oppressive thing. It was meant to be a blessing, not a burden. 400 years in slavery, never had a day off. God comes along and says, you know what? Don't just take a day off. Take a day off every seven days. Like work six, rest one. Work six, rest one. That's a huge blessing, right? And then he says, look, this is, this is a day of rest, so don't work on it. Whatever you do for a living, don't work. And we said that no work doesn't mean no activity. Uh, you, can, you can have activity. Some people love to go for a hike, and you can connect with God in a special way when you're enjoying the, his creation. Some people can sit and read a book and just think about, man, isn't this amazing, the stuff that God is teaching me? There are different ways. No work doesn't mean no activity. You find whatever way that that you can really connect with God and, and do that as part of your rest. Sometimes that active rest is more refreshing than just sitting around and like, okay, it's my Sabbath. I got to sit here and just think about God all day. Like, that would wear me out, you know. But if I can go out and I can go do something and focus my attention on Him and on the people of God, then I find I'm refreshed. 
The other part of that is that uh, it, the Sabbath is a day that's set apart to the Lord. So it's not just resting and doing whatever you want. It's for a purpose. It's set apart to the Lord. So our attention is supposed to be focused on him in a special way. So that was the, the regular times of rest. What about our vacation times? I mean, this is America. You've got a full-time job. Normally you get at least two weeks paid vacation, right? At least. You should be having that time. What do we do with that time? Well, the Bible doesn't really, you know, we don't really have accounts of people going on vacation. I don't really remember reading about Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac heading off to the coast to go enjoy the beach for a couple days. Um, There was a guy named Jonah who went on a cruise. It must have been a carnival cruise because it didn't work out that well for him. Uh, And, you know, you just don't read about people going on vacation. Like Solomon didn't go hit up the ski slopes in the mountains. uh, You just don't read about that. But what you do find is there are passages like Leviticus chapter 23 where God says, okay, in addition to all these Sabbaths that you're taking every day, uh, I'm going to give you a Sabbath year, one out of every seven years. I want you to let the land rest, right? I want you to let, let your crops rest. I want you to rest. Let all your animals rest for a whole year. Trust in my provision. And then he says, not only that, but every year, here's all the festivals and the, the holidays that I want you to take, right? You, you know that the word holiday comes from holy day, right? Don't tell, don't tell all the people that are trying to get rid of the Christmas break or Christmas holiday, right? They don't want anything religious, so they call it the winter holiday. Don't tell them that holiday really comes from holy day. They'll get mad, uh, right? So we take a holiday. We take a holy day, a day to stop and reflect and rest. But then what happens? You read later on, after a couple hundred years in Isaiah, God comes to the people of Israel, and he says, you know what? Your Sabbaths, your new moon festivals, your sacrifices, I hate them. I hate them because you're not taking them properly. See, what was happening is that something God intended to be a special time for them to focus on him was either being abused by some people as like, hey, this is our excuse to party and get drunk and, and just go out of our mind with, with excess uh, and we're not going to put our attention on God. Or the other extreme was this, that people would, would take this as the only opportunity to focus on God. Like, yeah, God, you can have my attention on Sabbath, but the rest of the week is mine. God, you can have my attention at the New Moon Festival. God, you can have my attention at Passover, but the rest of the year is mine. I'm going to do whatever I want. And God says, I hate that. He says, don't honor me just part of the time. He says, honor me all the time, but in a special way during these times. So how do we take that and how do we apply that to us today with our vacation? Um, Like I said, we don't really read about people taking extended vacations, but we do often read about people taking some special time apart. And that's what we're going to look at today. If you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start earlier in the chapter. Um, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse, uh, the second half of verse 6. And Jesus has, has uh, gathered the 12 disciples around him. He's narrowed it down. At one point he had hundreds and then he 70 and now he's got 12. And he's got his top 12 guys. And he says, look, you guys come with me. Come around me. And this is what he says. He says, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over the evil spirits. And he gives them these instructions. He says, take nothing with you for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money uh, in your belts. Wear only sandals, but do not take an extra tunic. Whenever you're in a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if that place will not welcome you, then listen uh, and listen to you, then shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. 
they went out and they preached that the people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. All right, so Jesus has called the 12 around him, and he says, now you guys go do the ministry that you've seen me do. I'm giving you the authority to go do it. And he sends them out. And then we have this uh, brief section in here where we read about the beheading of John the Baptist, and then it comes back to Jesus and his disciples. And it says, the apostles, the 12, gathered around Jesus in verse 30 and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So what's happening is this. Jesus sends out the 12. He gives them his authority, the authority to heal, the authority to cast out demons. They're doing all these miracles in the name of Jesus, calling people to repent, to turn from their sin and turn to the Lord. And and they get very popular. People begin seeing everything that's happening, just like Jesus is constantly flooded with the crowds. And so they begin to follow the disciples, and they hear where they are, that they've all gathered back together. And Jesus says, you know what? You guys have been working hard. We need to, we need to come away and rest for a little while. You guys don't even have a chance to eat. Man, I know moms can relate to that. My wife, I don't know when the last time she had a hot meal was. Uh, with three kids, you know, she's cutting somebody's food. She's, you know, getting somebody's seconds. By the time she sits down, she hasn't even hardly had a chance to eat. So I know moms know exactly what that's like, to be so busy you don't even get a chance to eat. My dad's a CPA. Uh, every spring, I remember he would, he would go and come, and uh, sometimes he would just set up a cot in his office because he's an accountant. You know, people need their taxes done. And, you know, we'd see him maybe one, one time, a couple times a week. Um, he was not sleeping, not eating, trying to get all that work done. So some of us, I know there are some people out there, different seasons in your life, you know what that's like. You know what that's like to be so busy, working so hard that you, you don't even get a chance to eat. And that's what we have going on here. And uh, the first thing, just like we saw last week, you know, the first thing that stands out to me is, is that this time of rest comes after a time of work, a time of intense labor. So work precedes our rest, even with our vacation, right? The, the assumption is, God, God's assumption is this, that you're going to be working hard, and you're going to be working in such a way that honors him that this time of rest is needed. Now, I know that there are some people in here who are retired. You've worked hard for a long period of time, and you're retired. Some of us are looking forward to that day when we can say, man, I, I no longer have to work to put food on the table. Like, I can, I can have a retirement but that doesn't mean that you stop working, right? God still has work for you to do. You may not be earning a living from it, but God still has work for you to do, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But what we see is that work precedes times of rest, just like with the Sabbath. Work six, rest one. Work six, rest one. There's something to that balance that God has for us. And so the disciples have been out. They've been working hard. And now Jesus says, look, you guys have worked hard. You've been invested in this. You're continuing to work hard. You need a time to rest. And here's, here's the key. Jesus says in verse 31, he says this. Let me get there. 31, he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Here's the key. Come with me. Come with me. Come on a retreat with me. God's desire is that we go on retreat with him and not from him. Right? Our vacation time, our retreat time, ought to be a retreat with God, not a retreat from God. Now, I've got to be honest, there are times that I'm guilty of this. Uh, sometimes we go, 
there was a church that I worked for for a number of years, and I'd been working there, working hard, hadn't had a Sunday off in about three years, hadn't taken a single Sunday off. And uh, we went to visit my parents after the kids were born, and they said, why don't you come to church with us? And I was like, no, thank you. Like, I've been going to church three years in a row, haven't missed a single one. I think I want to take a Sunday off. And I look back on that, and I realize how wrong that was. Like, how wrong that was to think that just because I was on vacation that I, that I shouldn't go to church. And now I look forward to it. And I remember back to when I was a kid, you know, we used to uh, travel in the summertime. Like I said, Dad was always busy uh, in spring. But after tax season, after April 15th would come, we would always take a trip to San Antonio. We'd go and we'd see the blue bonnets along I-10 all the way up from Houston to San Antonio. We'd eat Mexican food until our stomachs burst. But every Sunday we would be back in church, or we would visit a church in the area. When we'd go to Colorado, my parents would always find a church. We'd go and we'd stay in the state parks up in Colorado. We'd camp. We'd have a great time, and we would always find a church that we could go and visit. And my, I was talking with my parents about this this last week. They said, don't you remember that uh, we, had, we had kind of this game that we played with all the other families at our church where when you went to visit another church, you would bring back a bulletin, and the pastor would give you a special treat, like you had something special that you would show the pastor that, hey, we went and visited this church, here's our bulletin. And I didn't know it at the time, but apparently they were taking that and like, okay, what are these other churches doing? Like, what ideas can we steal from other churches? But it was, it was a great thing to keep people connected. And I could tell you, man, some of the best stories of our trips were when we would visit these other churches and they would have children's sermon, and I would go up front and I would be the one saying the funny stuff that would crack the whole church up because... You know, I just didn't have any fear of saying something silly. And, uh, you know, we have these great memories of going and being with people of God that we've never seen since. But we had an awesome time worshiping with them because we had an immediate connection because we, we all shared faith in Jesus Christ. And so our vacations were never a time to retreat from God, but they were a retreat with God. And there are a lot of ways that you can do this. I think it's really important. Jesus says, come with me by yourselves, as a group, right? Jesus doesn't say, go off by yourself, go sit in a corner, go lock yourself in a hotel room. He says, no, come with me. Come with me. Because he knew that the disciples needed to be with him. He knew the disciples needed to be with him. He says, let's go to a quiet place. Some translations may say a desolate place and get some rest. Rest is this. Rest is is when you are physically refreshed after ceasing activity. So Jesus, again, is saying, look, I know you guys have been working hard. You need to be physically and spiritually refreshed. Because this time away is is a time for us to reflect and prepare. We need to reflect on everything that God has already done through you, that you have done in that ministry that I just sent you out, and you need to be preparing for what comes next. Like, that's the purpose of this time away. It's time to reflect and time to prepare. Now, I I was reading some commentaries about this, and one commentator said this. I don't know if this is accurate or not, but but this was the time that they were coming back and telling all their crazy stories about, like, hey, do you remember that dude that had the demon in him, and, like, he was running around naked in the mountains? Man, that was hilarious when, you know, when all this crazy stuff was going on, and then we saw God work in an amazing way, and his life, like, gets restored. Like, do you remember the funny stuff that these little kids were saying as we were teaching them about Jesus? Do you remember all the stuff that was happening? And, and they're coming back, and, and the commentator said this. He said that maybe 
what Jesus was doing is kind of checking in with them. Because remember all those stipulations that he said? Don't take any money. Don't take an extra cloak. Stay in these houses. And maybe Jesus is checking in on their faithfulness. And, and the commentator was talking about how maybe the, the amount of things that they saw God do through them was in proportion to their obedience to, to Jesus' words. And maybe Jesus was seeing, okay, I know that you guys know about what level you obeyed, and I'm Jesus, so I already know like, how well you obeyed these commands, but you need to see that, that your faithfulness affects the results of your ministry. Like Your faithfulness to my word affects uh, your effectiveness in ministry. I don't know if that's the case or not, uh, but it makes sense to me. And so they're there, they're having this time to reflect, and they're talking about all the stuff that they got to see God do. And Jesus is saying, okay, now we need to take time to prepare for what comes next. Because it's not long before the people start showing up. In fact, we see that the very next thing. Verse 32 says, So they went, out, went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So they're up in the, near the Sea of Galilee, and uh, it's this little sea, and they start rowing across, trying to get to a little bit more secluded place. And people are running ahead of them about 8 to 10 miles. And they're beating them to the shore. They're like guessing where they're going to go. And they get there and they're waiting for them when they get there. So they think they're going on vacation. They think they're getting to go to rest. And man, they get there and they're hammered with people. And here's what happens. Picking up in verse 34. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus begins teaching them. It becomes late. There's nowhere for these people to go. Remember, they're at a secluded place. They're at a quiet place of rest. And the disciples are looking around and they're like, okay, we've got all these people. We've got all these people and no place to send them. There are no towns nearby. There's no inns. There's no place to send them to get food. Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus says this. He says, they come to him and say, send the people away so they can go and go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. And Jesus answers, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And what I love about this is this, that you know there are only two miracles that are recorded in all four Gospels. One of them is the resurrection. The other one is this miracle right here, the feeding of the 5,000. Feeding of the 5,000. 5,000 men. Could have been as many as 20,000 once you include women and children. Only two miracles included in all four Gospels. And this is one of them. The disciples are supposed to be on vacation. It's probably their biggest time of ministry. One that they all felt was the most important that they all needed to include in their story about Jesus' life happens while they're on vacation. God does something miraculous here. Jesus knew that they needed to be prepared. And here's, here's what they say. They say, well, how are we going to go and buy? Like their immediate thought is we need to go and buy. Keep looking down just a few more verses. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Like their immediate response is we need to, we need to take care of this ourselves. And Jesus is probably thinking, man, don't you guys remember? You just got back. Don't you remember the authority that you had? that I gave you? Don't you remember seeing all those miracles that you were able to perform in my name because of the Father's power working through you and your first thought is about money? Don't think about money. Just go and see what's there. 
Go and see what's already been provided. And they find the five loaves and the two fish. And then Jesus says, tell the people to sit down. Sit down in an orderly, orderly way. They sit down in fifties and hundreds and, and they're in rows. Then he says, start serving them. He blesses the meal and they start serving. And at the end, each disciple comes away with an entire basket full of bread and fish, leftover pieces. There are 12 baskets, 12 disciples. And they come away with all this. And they're probably thinking to themselves, man, this is the most amazing thing ever. Here we are thinking we're going on vacation and we get to see Jesus provide for probably 20,000 people out of five loaves and two fish. And here's what I think is, is important for us to remember is that even in times of rest, God still has work for you to do. Even in your times of rest, God still has work for you to do. Man, I'm sure there were probably one or two of the disciples that saw the people on the shore and are like, oh, man, can we just like row to the other side again? Like, we'll just stay here in the middle and catch fish. Peter, you were a fisherman. Drop the nets down. We don't have to cook it. We're going to invent sushi right here. We're just going to eat these fish raw. I need a time away from people. And they looked and they're like, man, I, I just don't want to deal with people anymore. And then Jesus does this amazing thing. And the disciples get to be a part of the work that God is doing. They get to be a witness to it, and they get to be a part of it. I think it's important that we remember that, that God has work for us to do even in our times of rest. It is so easy to think that, okay, I'm on vacation. I'm at the beach house. My neighbor keeps trying to talk to me, and he's annoying me, and all I want to do is go inside my beach house and spend time with my family, and this, this nosy neighbor keeps coming out every time we're outside. He wants to know when we're going to the water. He wants to know when we're cooking out, and he's trying to tell me about the problems he, he's having in his marriage. Doesn't he know that I don't care I'm on vacation? Like, how often do we do that? Or maybe you're not going anywhere. Maybe, maybe you're having a staycation, and you're like, okay, we're going to hole up inside of our house, we're going to park all of our cars in the garage, make the neighbors think that we're gone so that nobody comes and knocks on our door and tells us their problems. Maybe God has placed you there. Maybe God wants you to be sharing the gospel with that person who's in the cabin of the beach house next to you. Maybe God's desire is that your vacation time, when you're off work, what better way to spend it than to invest in the relationships with your friends and neighbors? Like to have extra time that, hey, is there anything I could help you with around your house? You know, I'm off this week. We're just kind of hanging out. We don't have any plans to go anywhere. Can I, can I give you a hand with your yard work? I mean, build those relationships. Who knows where that'll lead? Maybe there's a waitress. You're on a cruise. You've got the same waiter every night. Usually they're from different locations all over the world, different countries all over the world. They may be from a closed country, a country that's closed to the gospel. And now you have this waiter that's at your table every night for four days, three meals a day, and you get to know them, and you begin sharing Jesus with them. Just remember, you, you're going on vacation with God, not from God. And that, that applies not just when you take extended times of rest, but even with your Sabbath, that even on your Sabbath day, God may still have work for you to do. And we talked a little bit about this last week. The people who serve in the AV team are ushers and greeters. How many of you were greeted by somebody this morning when you walked in the door? Everybody better raise your hand unless you walk through the back door. Uh, everybody got greeted by somebody. Those people are taking time out of their Sabbath to serve because they recognize the importance of the work that God has for them to do. There are, there are women who are serving in our children's ministry right now. 
and there was need for more. Like, guys, the great thing about serving in the nursery is you don't have to change diapers. Like, we do that for legal reasons, but you get to play with babies. You don't have to worry about changing diapers. You can just play games, and then like, oh, this one's poopy. Here you go. Hand it off to someone else. Not my job. I, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to. That's the rules, right? And so you, we just need people to, to be serving in these areas and to think of it not as, oh, man, I've got to go serve. Oh, man, I've got to go to church. But I get to go serve. This is part of my worship. This is part of my special day where I connect with God in a special way. When I go on vacation, man, who are the people that we're going to meet? God, as we head out to vacation, who is it that needs to hear about Jesus? When we go out wherever we're headed, when we go to this restaurant, God, who is it? Is it the waiters? Is it the hostess? Is it the chef? Who do you want me to talk to about Jesus? What do you have for me to do? God, let me see a miracle on my vacation. I mean, can you imagine the vacation story that the disciples came back with? Like, hey, we were going on vacation, and uh, Jesus said, fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. What did you do this summer? You know, like... You know those reports that your kids give when they get back to school? I mean, how cool would it be that, hey, we went to this campsite and we were sitting around a campfire and then my dad just, just opened the Bible and he started sharing with this man and we got to see this whole family put their trust in Jesus just based on one conversation. We were at the beach house for a week and these people kept coming over and at first we were a little bit annoyed but then we realized the kids were coming over because mom and dad were fighting. And my parents got to counsel this family, and we got to see this family leave better than when they got there. They were united as a family because we got to speak the word of God into their life. Remember that God still has work for you to do even while you're on vacation. Vacation with God is completely different than a vacation from God. What are you going to allow God to do with your vacation time this year? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This passage comes just after Jesus has been looking out over these four cities who have rejected him, and they've chosen to cling to ways that will never lead to their salvation trying to work for their salvation. They've rejected faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, woe to you, woe to you. And he weeps for them. And then he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He says, look, if you're under the burden of your own sin, if you're under the burden of trying to earn your way into heaven, come to me. My yoke is easy. And the picture is this, that, that he is the one who's carrying the yoke. And then we just come alongside and we come up underneath that yoke and we're, we're walking alongside of him, but he's the one bearing all the weight. And it's a very light burden. And then he says this. He says, uh, learn from me. The word learn there is methete. It's where we get our word disciple. And so the picture here is not just that we would put our trust in Jesus and say, okay, that's it. I, I'm going to heaven but that we would come alongside of him and that we would be taught by him, that we would be his disciples and that we would be an example of that to other people. So when we go on our vacation, man, I want to ask you, are you expecting God to do a miracle with your vacation time? Like, are you looking for those opportunities to be used by God even while you're on vacation? Because I really believe that when you do that, those are the times that you're going to feel the most refreshed. You're going to come back 
And you're not going to look at, man, we've got mountains of laundry to do from vacation, from, from these empty suitcases now, and, and then we've got work tomorrow. But you're going to be so excited because you've been used by God, because you've seen the power of God work in other people's lives. And it may be as simple as just coming away with your kids and going to, to a river, going to a park, and sitting down and saying, kids, tell me all the things that you see that God made. I went for a walk with my kids yesterday. We just went down to San Gabriel Park. We played on the playground for a little bit, and then we walked along the river. And they were so excited to just see fish. Like, not catch fish, but to just see them swimming in the water. And I was just pointing at them. What colors do you see on the fish? And they said, Dad, that was a great adventure. Like, they came home and told Amanda, they're like, we went on an adventure with Dad. And later in the evening, we took them out. We wanted to do something special. We went for a little bit of ice cream, and they said, can we take Mom on an adventure? They wanted to go back to the park and just look at fish. And they just loved it. And I got to tell you, I woke up this morning, my alarm clock went off, and I was not tired at all. I was not worn out at all. Because we got to look. There was a rainbow. We got to point the kids to the rainbow and say, kids, who saw the rainbow in the Bible? Tell me that story. Do you remember the fish? Tell me who got swallowed by a fish. Tell me that story. And we just got to recount all the things that they've been learning. They're only three years old, and they're telling us the story of Noah. They're telling us the story of Jonah. We got to see God working in their lives. And to me, that is the most refreshing thing. Are you expecting God to do a miracle with your vacation? Are you going to let God work through you while you're on vacation? Imagine. Imagine what God could do if we would allow him if we would go on vacation with God instead of vacation from God. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this beautiful passage about the disciples taking time to get away with you. Lord, I pray that we would cling to that verse. Come away with me by yourselves to a secluded place for rest. God, may we find our quiet places to go to this summer. May we find our places of rest, and may we meet you there. Lord, may we, may we go on vacation with you and not vacation from you. God, I pray for everyone as, uh, as they head out this afternoon that, that our Sabbath day would be a great time for us to connect with the people of God and to connect with you in a special way that we're not able to throughout the week because of other demands on our life. But may we focus our attention on you in a special way this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.